today on It's Time. All the way through the Bible, you'll see it was the second time is when it made sense to them. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Jonah. So, turn there in your Bible and follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Now again, in this that we find in verse 5, The waters encompassed me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds wrapped around my head. Seaweeds, probably. I went down into the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. We find Jonah here really just wrestling with the whole, am I going to live, am I going to die? He, I don't think he knew at this point. He lived long enough for this to be recorded for us, that he wrote it down, what he said, in that belly of a fish. And he says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Isn't that funny sometimes? It's, that's when we finally go, oh yeah, I forgot God and my plans. And my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Oh, that temple. Not the temple built in Jerusalem, but a temple that is heaven. A place where the Bible says we will dwell with the Lord forever. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Literally, they are observing vain vanities. Uh, These things that that people uh, put so much hope in. Um, in the world without God lets them down. You know, it's really funny how people trust in different things to get them through something. When they got a big bad problem, they, you know, will turn to their Ouija board or they'll call all their friends or they'll, you know, look at their astrological chart to find out that guidance that I need. And, and, and you ever look at some of the goofy stuff that's in an astrological chart? It's pretty silly, really. You know, you're a Scorpio. Don't make any bad business deals today. Okay, I'll save that for tomorrow. Don't hang out with bad people. Okay, I'll do that one next week. See, the problem is we get this idea that this is some kind of great wisdom. Well, there is a wisdom of the world, and the Bible says it's foolishness to those that believe. Why? Because they are turning to a dead source for inspirational living for a living creation, which is you. That's why the Bible says his word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word will tell you what to do. I need to spend a little time reading it. Because God's word comes alive and it will speak to you concerning the issues of your life. But... He says in verse 9, that's the way the world is, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. 
and I will pay what I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. Now it's interesting, if we go back to the preceding chapter, verse 16, the men who were on the boat after they threw Jonah into the ocean, when the sea ceased from its raging, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. You might say they became believers at this point. Now we find Jonah doing the same thing, and I will pay what I have vowed, Salvation is of the Lord with a voice of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is important for all of us. Do you realize that? Because thanksgiving requires you and me to take inventory of what we have. I I, I know that in our lives we can murmur and complain. I don't have the red one. I want the red one. With the big M&Ms on it. No, I, I, I want the red one. Without taking inventory of how many green, purple, and blue ones we have. See, what happens is our focus of our life cannot be on what we have. God, I'm thankful for it. How can you use these things for your kingdom? But Lord, I don't have the red one and I got to have the red one. You'll never see the old sin nature more manifest in your life than if you're around kids any length of time. The room can be filled with toys. One kid picks up one toy, and that's the one everybody else wants. Don't believe me? Check out the nursery. Uh, You'll get a great revelation there on Olson Nature 101. And you know, nobody has to teach us this. Now, Johnny, when you pick up the toy, you hold it close to you, and okay, all you other kids start screaming that that's the one you want. No, that's just the way they do it. Why is that? The old sin nature is selfish. It puts me first rather than to look at what else there is around me. God will bless you. God will help you. God will uh, uh, direct you in what God has for you by simply looking at what you have, taking the inventory of what you have, and saying, God, you have given me these things. Whether it be your car, whether it be your health, whether it be your, your, your money, whatever it is, God, this is yours. How do you want to use it for your kingdom? I, I, I'll tell you something. That's what the Bible says. That's what God, that's putting yourself in the place where God can bless you. <clears throat> but if I'm always going around to God saying, God, I, you know, I would serve you as soon as I get married. Well, you know, when I get married, I'll serve you, God. And then we end up saying, well, God, you know, as soon as the kids are raised, then I'll serve you. And, and, and God, as soon as the kids graduate from college, then I'll serve you. Well, as soon as I get a divorce, then I'll serve you. I mean, we've always got an excuse why we can't do what God wants us to do. Well, that's because we don't take inventory where we're at right now, saying, God, you've given me all these things. Now, how can I use these for your kingdom? What avenues will you open up through these things? And I find a lot of times, friends, that those hobbies that you have, those interests that you have, I believe many times they're God-spawned. God put those in your heart. Why do you have a propensity for certain things? Did you ever think that maybe God might want to use your hobby or your uh, attraction to certain things to reach people for the kingdom of God. So remember, when we realize that God is alive and well on the planet Earth, and if you're born again, alive and well in you, God has a great thing to do in all of our lives. And so he said, 
with thankfulness. The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, this... God spoke to the fish. God speaks fish. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what... Blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know how God spoke to the fish. I think really he probably just unctioned it. You know, uh, you got a little heartburn gas, that burning sensation. <laughs> well, you got a Jonah where it doesn't belong. And barfed him out on the beach. Now you got to remember something. There were no showers along the beach like there are in Kona and Honolulu down at the beach. When you got Ralph out on the beach, that means you probably had sand in your hair, in your eyes. Everywhere there could be sand, there was. Plus, you had the delicious stink of puke all over you. And after being in the belly of the fish and the gastric juices chewing on you for three days and three nights, I'm sure he was a lighter shade of pale or green. And probably all of his hair was gone, stunk, no place to take a shower, probably washed off the best he could in the ocean, got out and goes into Nineveh. Now, the Bible tells us in the first chapter, Nineveh was three days, excuse me, this exceedingly large city, and the rest of Jonah tells us it was three days' journey across. So it was probably somewhere like around a million people, a little bit smaller than maybe Las Vegas is. Huge city. And he goes in to this city. And you have, to, you have to picture this. Half naked, most clothes are not, um, you know, stomach juice resistant. So he was probably really stinky, really a weird color, probably bald, and I would say somewhat angry. You know, usually, you know, have you ever come, done, you know, Ladies, you know, your guy comes home at night, 5 o'clock, and he walks through the door, and uh, uh, he he might have had a bad day all day. Then you say, by the way, honey, I wrecked the car. The kids uh, broke the window out of the the bathroom, and and, and I don't want to hear about that now. I've had a bad day. I think he had a bad half a week here. And I think that probably when Jonah went into Nineveh, first of all, you got to remember a couple of things. One, they were a Gentile city. Number two, he didn't like them. Number three, it almost killed him to not do what God wanted him to do. I don't think his message was, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Would you like to accept God today as your Savior? He came into town, the Bible tells us, with an unbelievable message. Chapter 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And by the way, there's something about human nature we need to be told twice. Don't feel bad if you have kids. you got to tell them twice. Kind of just the way it works sometimes. In, In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, when Stephen, the first martyr, gives his sermon to the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and those that wanted to kill him, it was always the second time. Remember, Moses came to deliver the children of Israel from the slavery of Egypt. Remember when he killed the Egyptian guard? Instead of them going up and slapping him on the back and saying, way to go, Mo, we like that. Go conk some more. They went around and started backbiting him 
And so finally, when he realized he was found out, Moses left and went on the backside of the wilderness for 40 years. The children of Israel could have been delivered 40 years before those 10 plagues had they just accepted their Savior the first time. All the way through the Bible, you'll see it was the second time is when it made sense to them. Well, here's the second time. Saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message that I will tell you. So this time, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And by the way, I think that's where the real power of God is, according to the word of the Lord, what God has called you to do. It doesn't matter whether there's 10 people that listen or 5 million people that listen. God's just told you and me to do what he's called us to do, and he will do the rest. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey, literally across is what it's saying. And Jonah began to enter the city the first day's walk and cried out and said, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, again, you probably have to add a little smell of puke, no hair, green and mad. So I imagine this was probably a very much motivated sermon. (laughs) I think as he came into town, mommy, there's a green man out in the street. And boy, this is weird. I mean, he got the attention of the entire city. Now, I, I don't know, they didn't have cell phones in those days. They didn't have newspapers. But somehow the message that this guy was in town and he had a very unusual message. Now, again, I believe that the people of Nineveh had an uneasiness in their souls. I believe that whenever God moves upon any of us to do anything for him, it's because the evangelism, friends, as we shared last week, is never one-sided. It's never the evangelist preaching to the crowd. You have to remember the Holy Spirit has been preaching to the crowd before you ever got there. All you do is point the way and say, salvation is over here. God has already done the work. And this is something, again, I believe in any revival we have to understand. It isn't the person, it's God has already been preparing the people. It's really funny, back in the the Jesus movement, God was already preparing a whole generation. Why? Because latchkey kids, man, it's, it's, it's epidemic now. But it was starting in then because there was still a comparison. Kids knew that there were those who were loved and unloved. And so the world was looking for love. That whole generation from probably 1967 to 19, probably 72, they were looking for love. You've seen about, uh, listen to the old Beatles song. All you need is love. Okay, and then they all broke up. That's that's the world love. But all the songs about love, if you listen on the radio, especially in that era, if you can struggle through it, (laughs) it was all about love. But the world's love was inferior. It never followed through. It never satisfied. Only God's love did. For God so loved the world. Man, now that hit the spot. 
That was what God had already been working on that generation that, hey, love is what you need. It's not going to come out of a Beatle record. It's going to come from only Jesus Christ. And the people responded. That's how the revival started. Now, again, how that manifested in everybody's lives was maybe a little bit different, but the key point was love is what the world was looking for. I pray again today that maybe they'll turn back and desire that. God is working on every generation. I I really believe that. And what we need is, God, let me hear your voice, what you want to say to a lost world. That's the way God works. And so Jonah comes in 40 days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. I wonder what was going on. In the, you know, in this area of the world, there's rumblings and earthquakes and different things. Maybe there was a couple of earthquakes. I don't know. Caused them to think, maybe everything isn't as solid as I think it is. Maybe it was just a haunting, nagging saying, yeah, but what happens when we get conquered? Because they were, again, noted for their cruelty. And what will people do to us if we're ever conquered? Whatever it was, when Jonah connected with the city of Nineveh, the Bible tells us that it was an astounding revival. Notice it says here, He entered the city, cried out and said, Forty days Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth and ashes from the greatest to the least of them. And the word came to the king of Nineveh who arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. Wow. Do you see what's happening? The message punched through. Never think that is your presentation. What we're presenting is not us. We're presenting God's Word. God's Word will do its intended target. That's the way God's Word works. The Bible says His Word does not return void. What does that mean? That means when God's Word goes out, hits the heart, does what it's going to do, and causes the change that God has foreordained it to do. So don't think that when God would speak to you and say, hey, that person behind you in line, you got to talk to him. And you look at him, huh. kind of funny, they, the shirt tail's hanging out. I don't talk to them. Got the shirt tail hanging out. Do you realize probably if somebody's not well-dressed, maybe they've been going through something really tough where all of a sudden their personal appearance doesn't mean much anymore? That God would cause us to see the way he sees. There's an old saying that says, if you will listen to somebody, they'll tell you everything that's wrong with them. But you've got to be a good listener. How do we then become a good listener? Well, you read a lot of self-help books by Tony Lama. No. You listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you. And when you look at something and something stands out to you, you see something that's out of place, something that isn't right. Maybe their clothes haven't been ironed or, or maybe there's not a smile on their face. Maybe they're very well, nicely dressed, briefcase in hand, but there's a frown on their face. Gives you a pretty good idea. Something isn't right. But those are things that the Holy Spirit points out to us to pick up on so we can begin a conversation and ask them a question. That's the way God works. So this morning... The city repents. We're going to talk more about this great revival next week. 
Because there's a lot of things in it. First of all, it was citywide. It wasn't just a little pocket of the city. It was everywhere. And all the things that God used to change this city. But you know one of the things we don't oftentimes look at in the city of Jonah? Do you know what the greatest change was? Was it the Nineveh repented? I don't think so. I think the greatest change was Jonah. I think God changed Jonah more in this story than anybody else that I read about. Because in spite of his own prejudice, God still used him, brought about the largest revival in the recorded history, and also it was a Gentile city. I think Jonah learned a lot in this too. It's impossible that whatever you give, you will not get. Always remember, God's got more to put into you than he'll ever take out of you. That's the way God works. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you really don't have much of a message to share with them. Have a nice day. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best. But you offer no solution. But when you're a Christian, you have a solution for whatever it is in their life. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I would pray that God would put in you a message that will not only change you forever, but change those around you forever as well. Now, how do I get this? Well, what blocks God speaking to us? Sin. Sin plugs our ears up to the voice of God. I want what I want. I don't want to hear you, God. God says, pull your fingers out of here. Oh, okay. I can hear you now. And God begins to speak to us about ourselves and about those around us. You see, what pulls the plugs out of the ears is what Jesus did for us on the cross. The Bible says we're forgiven. That sin blocks you from a relationship with God. But when the sin's gone, God can speak to you. Now that God speaks to us, we have a message. Anything you do less than being about your daddy's business will always be a cheap, meaningless experience. Always will be. But only God... What you do for him will last. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive your sins, this third part of the Godhead that came and lived on this earth and died for our sins and so we could all go to heaven. I, I, I don't know all that hell is. I know a lot of religions teach that there is no hell. It's just a fig newton of your imperial margarine. It's just a, a figment of your imagination. But whatever it is, it's so bad that Jesus gave up all the worship of heaven to come and be born in a dirty manger so that he could live a sinless life and then die for our sins. I don't know all that hell is, but I know it's not annihilation. Jesus would have never given up all of heaven for that. But the Bible offers us a solution for this place of torment called heaven with him forever. This morning, if you've never prayed, you've never asked God in your life, let's pray right now and let's see what God will do. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I invite you into my life today. I don't have much of a message to share with anybody in the world, but you come into my life and I will. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood took away my sins. And so now, from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. And from this day forward, let me walk in your spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.